Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Micah Marshall. Well, it is good to be with you. It is good to be sharing. Last time I shared was six years ago in May. So they finally let me out of the basement. And so we're, we're, we're excited to be here. But do me a favor. Look at your neighbor this morning. Look them, look them in the eyeballs. Okay, don't be weird about it, though. And say, it's so good to see you this morning. Turn around to your other neighbor. Look them in the eyeballs. Say, it's so good to see you this morning. It is good to be here. It is good to see you this morning. Again, my name is uh, Micah Marshall. I am the youth pastor here at the church, but also the director of Refuge Youth Network, which is the nonprofit organization that is the outreach program to our area in Blair County for the teens. And I'm just excited to be with you this morning. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, it's just going to be awesome. But it is Palm Sunday. Um, and we just want to just reverence that and thank God for uh, Jesus coming, Jesus being declared as king, and, and, and just just the majesty of what Christ brings into our lives. And so I just want to wish you a happy Palm Sunday, and I pray that you are, uh, you are blessed on it. And uh, just a real quick update on Refuge, because I get so many questions on what it is that we really do, what it is that we're really about, uh, how we operate, how all of these things work. And uh, it was six years ago, we came on staff here at the church, and it has been a wild adventure that Bethany and I have loved every minute of, being able to connect with teenagers. And uh, we went from working working with one church to two churches to three churches to now working with six churches as their youth ministries being able to serve um and it's across, it's across denominational barriers. So we're breaking down uh, denominational barriers because that's what Jesus does. And uh, so we have been able to see the expansion of the kingdom of God through teenagers, which has been absolutely incredible. And uh, not only are we working with churches, but we're working with business, businesses, organizations, individuals that believe in championing a generation. And so um, you saw the refuge tables out there. If you have any questions, we have some material on the table. Please uh, go and grab some of the material. We have a document out there. There that is called youth networking. It's kind of the, the terminology we use and what we do and why we do it. Feel free to go on our website at refugeyouthnetwork.org and you can go where it says about. You can download our, our, our whole entire program, see what we do, see what we're about, see everything that we offer um, because we have our three campuses that meet throughout the week uh, on, on uh, Sunday nights in Tyrone, Monday nights in Bellwood, and then Wednesday nights here. And we are just seeing teenagers come to know Jesus. We're seeing teenagers get jobs. We're seeing teenagers graduate high school. We're seeing teenagers go into the military. We're seeing teenagers uh, just succeed in everything that God wants them to succeed in. And so we've been able to champion that. Um, we also have some t-shirts that I'm trying to get rid of. So um, we brought some t-shirts. So please, I don't want to carry that big, huge tote everywhere anymore. Um, so if you can grab a t-shirt on your way out, we have refuge ones. Um, and then we have one that's called Run at Your Giants. Um, because I believe that when we read scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17, it said David ran at Goliath. He didn't run away from Goliath. And so I believe that we're called to run at the things that scare us and we're called to scare them. And then there's also another shirt that's called Damaged Goods that's out there. How many know you might be damaged, but you're still good? And uh, there's always someone willing to pay for damaged goods. Always, and that's what Christ did for us. And so those shirts are out there. So I wanna encourage you, please feel free uh, to go out and grab some of the material that is on the table. Um, but also, 
if you want to just, you know, take a wild adventure, you know, you want to go on a wild ride, looking for some volunteers uh, to help with teenagers. If you need a little spice in your life, uh, you need a little fun, you need a little adventure. So many people are going like this right now. So I'm taking this as a yes. Um, if, if you are just interested and you want to know what we're about, please come and visit us. If you're looking to volunteer and help on behalf, there are so many people that we have seen over the years that have come and gone from this church um, that have helped us in aiding and working with teenagers, it is always a wild adventure. It's always crazy. And so I want to encourage you, uh, just continue to pray for us, continue to pray for our staff, Ryan, Tabby, Matt, myself, as we continually grow in what God has called us to. Um, we have traveled all over, really, the United States the last year and a half talking about what God is doing in Blair County and what he's specifically doing with teenagers and what he's doing with churches working together. And so just continue to pray for us because these dreams keep getting bigger and bigger and they get more exciting and I love the challenge and I'm looking forward to what God will continually do with us as we progress through this. And so thank you again. But um, I wanna share this morning something that is, that is on my heart that I have seen. But I, I wanna start with a question this morning. Have you ever walked into a room to get something, but you forgot what you were walking into the room to get. Everybody's like, yes, yes, okay, all right. Or uh, maybe you went to a store to buy an item that you specifically, you were like, I, I need to buy this one item, but you come out buying everything but that one item. Happens to me all the time. I'm, I know I'm supposed to go to the store and buy one thing, and I buy everything but that one thing. And it's a really bad idea to go to the grocery store when you're hungry, because you just buy everything that you want and, uh, and, you, and, and all that stuff. But I don't know if you've ever done that. Maybe, you, maybe you've lost your keys. Maybe you lost your phone, maybe you lost your wallet. Um, I, I have a thing I do anytime I leave the house. I got a wallet, phone, keys, check. Make sure I got them all connected, make sure they're all on my person because I literally, I will forget them. Um, I don't know if you're like this too. I will send someone a text message or an email um, and if they don't respond within just seconds and then they respond back, I'll be like, I have no idea what I was gonna ask you. I do it with Pastor Troy all the time because like, I'm known for just sending yo. Like that's my text message, yo. And then I wait for them to respond so I know that they're like alive and well. And um, when they respond back to me, if I don't, if, if they're like, what do you want? I'll be like, dude, I don't remember. And it was like five seconds. This is what, this is what happens when you work with teenagers. It's just, it just your, your brain kind of goes like, like this. And so um, I, I just have that personality too where I forget things really easily. I'll write things down on a post-it note and I'll forget to take the note with me um, and, and things like that. But I don't know if you've ever lost something, but, but one, of the most, one of the most serious things I ever lost was my little brother. And it was, um, we were at the mall. My, my brother is, uh, I'm 32 and my brother just turned 17. So we have an age gap um, that is pretty significant uh, with, within our relationship, but we're very close. But years ago, when I, was, when I was a teenager, I was 18, 19 years old, and I, I took him to the mall with me because I thought that would be a great idea. Um, and so we went to the mall and we were going, and, uh, and you know how they have those big round shopping racks that are there where the clothes go all around? Well, for some reason, he thought it would be a good idea to climb in the shop shopping rack and play like hide and seek with me. And, um, and, and he thought it was a great idea. And so I turned around, I'm looking at something. I turn around and he's gone. And you guys know that feeling. But I'm just, can I, can I just be really truthful? I believe in always being truthful when I speak. I, I, at first was, I was really scared that he was gone, but I was more scared of something else. Um, I was deathly afraid of my parents, um, especially my mom. 
Um, I, I've talked about my mom a lot because my mom's one of the most influential people in my life, and she's just a powerful woman of God, but man, she's scary. Um, she can be so scary at times. I call her a gangster mama. Like Pastor, Pastor Jim and I talk about it all the time. But um, I was like, I, I, for about five minutes, I'm looking for my brother all over the place. I cannot find him. So I did what every Christian starts doing. I start praying. But I wasn't praying for like him to be found. I was praying for the rapture because I knew my parents would go and I might stick around. That's okay with me. Or I was praying for Armageddon because I'd rather face the end of times than face my mom. And um, so it was one of these situations where I was like, man, I had, I had lost him, but then he popped out and found me and I was like, well, I can live another day and that's a good thing. But I was so worried about the concept of, of losing him because um, it was something that was so important that I, like, we needed to remind him. A few weeks ago, I was asked to speak at the church in Tyrone, and, uh, and we were going through this series on creation, and uh, Pastor Keith was like, hey, this is what I want you to speak on, and, uh, and I began to kind of just do some reflecting, I began to kind of do some studying, um, and, and this concept of lost things kept coming to my mind, because I'm just going to be honest with you, I believe that we are at a very pivotal point in Christianity today. I believe that as a church body, we are at a very uh, important point of, of knowing who we are because I feel like we've lost the identity of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And uh, it's something that I have seen over, over the last several years where we have seen the shift in, in knowing who we are and why we're created to do what we're created to do. And, and there's been this, this sense of, of lostness that I, that I see dealing with teenagers and dealing with young adults and, and, and dealing with older adults as well, where, where we have this sense of not really knowing what we, are, what we are commanded to do. And the Bible is a very cool book because the Bible actually gives us everything that we will need to walk in this relationship with God. And it also gives us reminders of what and who we are called to be. Because God had this all figured out and designed where he said, listen, as created man, I have a purpose of why you're created and for what you are created for. And so we have to have this understanding that, that God always reminds us of who we are. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3, he says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter to possess the land I promised you. Remember how the Lord your God was faithful to you. Not forgetting, not losing sight of or losing those memories of what God was faithful to. We find in, in 2 Peter, he says, So I will always remind you of these things that I firmly have established through you. And I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Paul is saying, listen, I'm going to constantly remind you of this. And so this morning, this, this, this message is just a reminder to us. A reminder because we, we can't lose sight of who we are. We can't lose sight of what we are called to do. And in and, and order for us to understand this whole concept of Christianity and this whole relationship with Jesus, even for us to understand Palm Sunday and to understand what is happening next Friday, like in order for us to understand all of these things, we have to understand who God called us to be. When we have an understanding of who God has called us to be, we can begin to unravel then all of the amazing things that God wants to do for us. So where do we discover this? Where well, we go all the way back to the beginning. And if you have your Bibles, open up to Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And you're gonna, we're going to read this, and you're going to think, man, this is a really obscure text to be reading. But I want to walk you through the process of, of what we are called to. In verse 9, it says, Then God saw that the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place of standing or pulling together. Let the dry land appear, 
And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that this was good. He affirmed it and he sustained it. Such a powerful verse if we understood the affirmation and the sustenance of the spirit of God in our lives. When he looks at you and says, I affirm who you are and I'm also gonna sustain who you are. Verse 11, so God said, let the earth sprout out vegetations, plants eating sealed and fruits bearing fruit according and limited to be consistent with their kind. Whose seed is then upon the earth and it was so. The earth was sprouted and abundantly produced vegetations, plants yielding seeds according to their kind, trees bearing fruits with the same seed in them according to their kind. And God saw that it was good and he affirmed it and he sustained it. And then there was evening and there was morning. So what we have here is something very interesting that's happening in the very beginning of time. Before man is even created, God is, God is doing something remarkable and wonderful that only he can do. He's calling into existence that's which, which he desires. We gotta understand that. Genesis, the whole first chapter, is him speaking things that his heart desires to see, desires to have. And so we find this in Genesis chapter one. He's speaking and he's saying, listen, okay, I'm, I'm designing this thing called earth and there's gonna be seas and there's gonna be land and there's gonna be vegetation and there's gonna be all these things and there's gonna be fruit trees that produce all these things. So very first thing he says, I'm gonna have the dry ground be separate from the water. So in order for us to understand this, the earth was prepared by God for us to live in. Because when we read in scripture, it actually says that it was all confusion that all this was confusion, that, that he caused the confusion that did exist to be placed in order for us. Think about that. So the existence of what was there was confusion because nothing was separated yet, but God said, I'm gonna separate the land from the water in order for people that when they live, that they have something to live upon. So that tells me that God, what God speaks into that, and really I can only imagine what type of sight this was to be able to, to see where you have all of this water, then out of the water comes this land mass that begins to protrude out of the water and just the beauty of the creation of seeing land come forth out of the water because deep within the water there was land for them to live upon. So think about that. Think about that, how many times we can know that we have something so deep within us that God calls out of us. And when he calls it out of us, it's something that is gonna be for us to stand on in order for us to know him more. So we have this, this separation of the water and the separation of the land. Then what's really cool is we get into the vegetation where God created vegetation with so seed in them and God created a vegetation with the ability to reproduce because there has to be this reproduction of life that's gonna be able to sustain who and, and what I wanna create on this earth. So he creates this and he has this whole entire vegetational process that comes with seeds, bearing seeds so that an ongoing process can be set for mankind so that they continually live and they can continually breathe. And, and the whole process is actually really interesting when you read it because God commands the earth to produce grass, trees, living vegetation. But what we read is um, the first seed was not brought forth from a seed. The first seed was brought forth with a word. So we have to have this understanding that the very first seed that was put in the vegetation was not one that came from another seed, but was one that came from a word. So sometimes all we have to do is have a word that is spoken in us to produce the seed that is within us. Sometimes all it's just a word that's gotta be spoken and that word that is deep within you that can, listen, that can produce for generation to generation, that can be provision for the next generation and the next generation is the seed that is within you that all that needs is a word. 
So we have to have this understanding that this is all the process of what's going on in Genesis chapter one. And we're looking at this and we're thinking, man, this is like, this is crazy because then what God does is he, he analyzes everything and says, I'm going to give uh, plants everything that they need to grow. So we have the water, we have the soil, we have the seed. And now he says, I need to separate the day and the night so that they can be separate. So in order for the sun to produce everything that the plants need to be able to live. Because God cares about every single detail and has mapped everything out exactly the way they need to. And then he says, I'm gonna put the earth and I'm gonna rotate it on its axis and there's gonna be a sunrise and a sunset. And so what does this have to do with identity? What does this have to do with you and me and, and, and being lost in what we're called to do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because understand this, in Genesis chapter one, verses nine through 11, it describes the origin of land and water. Then we have the 11 through 13, which just purely describes the origin of plant life. But then we also have this remarkable display that goes on. Because you understand that the creation of the material world, of all the things in the material world, it reveals the wisdom and the power of God. So you have everything that is, that is created reveals the wisdom and power of God. But then you have every living organism displays the power of God. So you have a revelation of who God is and then you have a display of who God is. All from the beginning. All part of the nature of what God is desiring with us. The display of who he is and the majesty of everything that we can see within God. And, 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 and I read this and I'm thinking, well, one of the things that we see is all throughout Genesis chapter one is it is good. We read that, it is good, it is good. So what does it was good mean? It was good is actually divine approval of the creator that this is acceptable that this is acceptable, that it was good. And so when we look at this, he's saying, listen, I'm going to create this and I'm gonna separate this. And this was on day three, all of these things happened and I'm going to call it good. Why did he need to call it good? Well, he needed to call it good because he's good. Have that understanding that God created all the things in creation says it is good. Why? Because his nature is good. So there was a divine approval from the beginning of time that where we live in the world that we live is good because it has divine approval of God. And what I love about this is that God said something that was chaotic, the world that was in disarray at some point and he created something in order because in essence, order, not chaos, is the trademark of God's activity and creativity. Order, not chaos that is the divine marking of God's beautiful activity within the world, but also the creativity. And so we have to understand that, that, that when, this, when people would look at this world, they're saying, man, this world's chaotic. God's saying, no, I got it. I got exactly what I need to do to speak order into a world that is going to be exactly the way it needs to be. I am so thankful that we serve a God of order and not chaos. A God that is able to display and align everything in our life exactly where it needs to be and how it needs to be. And, and as I read this and I think about this, I'm thinking, man, like, you know, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, thir I'm sorry, 33 says, for we serve a God that is not a God of chaos, but he is a God of order. Meaning that God, there's nothing wrong with God bringing order into your life. Problem is, we get so adapted to a life of chaos, a life of, of things not being order, that when order is br brought into it, it becomes uncomfortable for us because we don't understand what it means to live a life of order, but that's the life that God has desired for us to have. 
But we become so adaptable to our pain, adaptable confusion, adaptable chaos, that we are fully func- we, can, we can function under that, but we can't fully function the way God intended it to because we find that God has said, listen, I intended for you to function under control, under order, the way that I have called you to. And so all of these things, I'm, I'm thinking about all of these things as this is going on, and, and I'm saying, okay, God, so right off the bat, you formed something and you're filling it. So you form the earth and you're filling it with these certain things. And so there's this formation that's happening and this filling that's happening. And then it reminded me of Psalms 139. Um, you, you formed us together in our mother's womb. That's what, that's what scripture says. And it's in, uh, undeniably that is what God says. And then it says in Psalms 103, it says you fill me with good things. So my main point and my main purpose of this, if God intended for you to be formed, he intended for you to be filled. Meaning that if God intended for you to walk this world, if God intended to give you life to be able to live throughout this whole entire, uh, in, in this world and, and be here right now, if he, and if he created you to be formed, he created you to be filled, being filled with the power of God, being filled with the presence of God. But what we are seeing is we are seeing a breakdown in order within the world, within the body of Christ, of not having an understanding of the process. The process has, has become broken. The process has, has really uh, been something that has got messed up because we, we were created for a purpose on purpose, and we can never forget that is that God created each and every one of us for the purpose of being used by him and having his spirit being the very thing that fills us. And some people, when you talk to them about this, like, that's so weird. Why would you say the Spirit of God fills you? You know how weird that is? Do you know how weird of a world we live in? Like, this is not weird compared to some of the stuff that's out there. This, is, this actually seems more normal and has a sense of normality more than anything, any of those other belief systems that are out there right now, is that there is a God that desires to fill you with him because it's good things that come from him. And so this is an understanding where we're in this problem of what is going to happen because can I tell you that when you begin to question why you were created, you begin to question why you were formed. When that becomes a question that you don't know what to do, when automatically you question formation, you will begin to fill it with things that are not meant to be filled with. When you question formation, what you are meant to be filled with will be the wrong things. And see, we have this identity crisis that is happening now. Think about it. The identity of people lost, not knowing why they were created, so they are going to things to put into their lives that were never meant to be in their lives. We live in such an identity crisis where people don't know who they are or even what they are anymore. We live in a, a generation where people question why and who they are. And as automatically, when you begin to question who you are, you begin to fill yourself with things that you are not meant to be filled with because you have no understanding of who you are. And this is the problem that we're running into in, in society. This is the problem we're actually running into within church. We get things mixed up, and in order for something to be filled, the vessel needs to be willing to say, hey, I need to fill this with something. See, what's really cool about us as, as, as humans, is we are created in the image of God. Not the animals, not the plants, none of that stuff, just us. And then God breathed his, his breath into mankind, and we became like him. We became part of him. 
And so as generations have passed, we, we, we get to a point where there's this thing inside of each and every one of you called your innate nature. An innate nature is a nature that you believe that there, you are longing, you are desiring to be connected to something that's greater than yourself. That's what your innate nature is. So it doesn't matter. This is why you can have people that are in like the African plains that have never heard Jesus, but there's a desiring of something inside of them to know something greater than themselves, and that is called your innate nature. And so we are born with this desire and this nature to be connected with something that is beyond who we are. But the problem is, is when we begin to fill that nature of, of, of who we are with things that are not right, things that don't fit, things that should never be placed within our lives. And that leads to the identity crisis because we believed what we're filling ourselves with is the reason we're created rather than having the understanding that God created you and formed you to be filled with his power and his presence. And the best way I can illustrate it, the best way that I can actually think about it is, is a water pitcher. Very simple water pitcher. Um, don't tell Karen I stole this from the kitchen. I'll put it back. I promise. And it'll, I say that, but it'll be sitting out here till like Wednesday. Watch. <laughs> But no, I, I, promise, I, will get it, I will get it back to where it needs to be. But I, but I was thinking about this, uh, like a water pitcher when I, when I was praying and I was doing this message. And I was thinking about how, so we, we use these at restaurants. We use them all of the time. The, the purpose of a water pitcher is to be filled with water or to be filled with something that we will drink that will satisfy the, the thirst that we have. And so if I'm really thirsty, if I fill this water if I fill this pitcher with water, then the water pitcher is doing exactly what it was created to do, and that is to pour out water to, to serve to those that are thirsty. Very simple, that's what, that's what the whole, like that water pitcher 101, that's what it is. The water pitcher is designed to be filled with something to pour out, to give life to something else. We are no different. We are no different than a water pitcher. Because see, the water pitcher, it has a designated area that we can see within it where you're supposed to fill it up with water to a certain point and is designated for something for it to be filled with. That was the formation of the water pitcher is in essence to be filled with water. And so we have this understanding that, that this is how it relates to you and me. We are like this where we have this aspect of our life. There's something like this inside each and every one of us that God desires to fill, but what we do is we fill it with everything but the very thing we're created to fill it with. This is where we have our identity crisis. This is where we've lost the concept of what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, is we use our life for everything else. We fill it with everything else but what it was created to be filled with. Thinking that those things will, will satisfy the nature of what's inside of us that longs for something more. And see, what you have to understand is there are things out there that will temporarily satisfy you. There are things that you will fill with in your spirit that can temporarily satisfy who you are. And that, that, that season of temporary can go on on experience of time, of time, of time. It can be temporary, but it's always going to be temporary. There is a desire of our Father to fill us with something that's not temporary but eternal. And that's the power and the presence of God in our lives. 
if we are Christians and we are not longing and desiring to be filled with God, what are we doing? What is the purpose, what is, what is the purpose of what we're doing then? As a follower of Christ, if I'm not desiring to be filled with his power and being desired to be filled with his presence, then what, then, then what am I doing with this? Because God designed us in, in this order to be longing for him because he's the only one that satisfies. But yet we don't do it. And the problem is, is we live in an extremely fast-moving culture now. And, and the culture moves so fast that sometimes we can't even keep up with what, how fast culture is moving. And it's extremely culture-driven and, and extremely entertainment-driven and it's extremely everything-driven. And so right now, things are constantly changing so fast. Like, if you think about it, fast food's not fast enough anymore. Let's just be honest. You pull up to the drive-thru, you order, and then you get annoyed because you gotta wait 45 extra seconds for your fries to be done. Think about it. You send a text message, if someone doesn't text you right back, you lose your mind. Why? Because we live in a culture that is so driven and it, and it is so extremely entertainment driven, extremely driven. And, and this is what I'm understanding is we are so driven to fill the void of, of time in our life because we don't know what to do with time. When we have time to ourselves, it becomes very dangerous because I would rather have, I'd rather be entertained by something or participate in something than deal with myself and all of the issues that I have, and I'd rather be doing something else than dealing with me. Why? Because I really believe that uh, entertain me so I don't, have to, I don't have to deal with the absence of who I am. Like, I don't have to deal with who I am, so I'm gonna do everything else than to do that. Why? Because we're trying, to fill the, we're trying to fill the void with something that's not Jesus. So I'd rather fill my time up with everything else but dealing with myself. Because as soon as I deal with myself, I have to come to the understanding that I might have an issue or two, that I might have some problems. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. That I might have an issue, that I might have a problem. And so instantly, I, even my personality, I'm so driven to constantly be doing something. I don't like to sit still. I don't like to, I don't like to have idle time. We have to constantly be moving, and why? Because when I have to deal with who I am alone by myself in a, in a period of silence, I don't like who I am. Because I begin to reflect about how I formed, uh, I was formed by God, I know that. I formed by God, great, that's wonderful. But I realize that I have filled myself with things that should have never been filled with. And that's where we run into this issue of identity of the body of Christ. The true identity of the body of Christ, who the body of Christ is called to be, is a bride. The bride of Christ. And so we have to have this understanding that, that we are, there is an actual identity to who we are, and that is the bride. That's the identity of the church. And it says that he, the groom is coming back for a bride. The bride, us. But we have to make sure that we are doing what we need to do in order for him that when he comes back, he recognizes his bride. And that's the dangerous part. You can recognize a bride, why? Because they have white on, they have a veil on, they have flowers, they have a bouquet, they got cake, <laughs> you know? They got all this great stuff that they have going on, they have this celebration, there's all these things. But if, if he doesn't notice his bride, then we're in trouble. That's why we must be formed, we must be filled with the power and the presence of who God is within our lives. You know what's really crazy about these water pitchers? Is that 
if I continually fill this with water, what happens? It comes out, it overflows. And see, that's actually the true desire of God's heart, is that you will be constantly being filled with his, his presence and his power, that it's overflowing out of your life. The vessel, the Bible talks about it all throughout scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. You are a vessel, your body is a vessel. You're a vessel of the Holy Spirit. You're a vessel of the presence of God. It's consistently and constantly describing why we are formed. And it's constantly telling us what we need to be filled with. But like I said, I, I feel like what has happened is we, we really have missed it. But God longs to fill whatever space you desire to give to him. See, that's the one thing that we, we kind of miss sometimes, that God is such a gentleman that he's not going to try to fill something that he's not welcome to fill. So we have to be able to literally say, God, I want to welcome you into my heart, into my life, to fill every aspect of me. If you just want to fill halfway, then he said, okay, I desire to fill you to overflowing, but if you want halfway, that's what I'll give you. But why would the desire ever be to be filled halfway with God? Why would the desire to be, God, I just wanna be half filled? Half filled doesn't scare the enemy. Half filled, it doesn't make the impact. Half filled will not be enough sustenance to pour out into other people's lives. Con continually being overflowing with the power of God and being filled with it, that's what matters. That's, that's really where, where it gets down to it, where I am overflowing with such a presence of God that it begins to get on other people. It begins to make a mess. It begins to just, it begins to flood everywhere. Why? Because that's what's coming out of my life because I've desired to be filled with the power of God. Can I tell you this morning, you are formed to be filled. But what is it that you're filling your life with? Because as you continually fill it with things that are not of God, you will continually have an identity crisis. And you will continually lose your way each and every time because you are not being filled with what God has desired to fill you with. And that's much of it, what it boils down to is that God desires to fill us with his power, to fill us with his presence. But are we so willing to say, God, fill me? God, fill me. So oftentimes I think that we, the, uh, the idea of being filled is good, but the execution is horrible. Is that we desire, we, we, we like, man, that sounds so good to be able to be like that, to be able to, you know, uh, I'll talk about Troy, is he still in here? Yeah, I'll talk about Troy. Like Troy loves Jesus and he always is happy and he's always singing about Jesus and I just wanna be like Pastor Troy and it, like, this idea goes into it. But can I tell you the execution, there are times where we're preparing to, like when you look like you're filled, it's because you prepared yourself to be filled. And sometimes when you need to be filled with things, you gotta gut things out. There are things in here that are not good things that need to come out in order for you to be filled up. And so we look at people and we're like, oh, I want to be like them. Listen, you don't know the overhaul some of them had to go through to get all of the stuff out of their life that was in their life so they could prepare the vessel to be filled with what it needed to be filled with. That's why I encourage teenagers all the time. You know, teenagers are funny. They're just, they're, they're out of their minds. Um, we, we, you know, we go places and we see people worshiping and they're like, Pastor Michael, why do they worship like that? Or why are they so intense in what they do? And I just tell them, I'm like, guys, you have no idea what they've come out of. You have no idea the overhaul that they've had to come out of their life. If they need to jump and sing and go nuts and worship, allow them to. Because that's a freedom that they've earned because they filled their life with the power and the presence of God. 
You know, it's interesting. We're so okay with, with losing our minds at a blue and white game, but we're not okay with losing our minds at the altar. And, and it's one of those things where if, we don't, if, we don't, if we're not careful, we're, we're going to be in for a rude awakening. But church, I want to tell you this morning that the desire of the, the heart of God is to fill you. To, to fill with his presence, to fill with his power. That's his desire. And if God desires that so much for us, cer- certainly I would, I would just figure that we would desire the same. Because there's a high expectancy from God to say, hey, I have this expectancy for you to want to desire these things. If we confess to be true followers of God, then we will have an expectancy back that say, okay, God, you expect this of me, I expect this of you, fill me. And God will then begin to fill you with his spirit that goes beyond your expectations to a point of overflowing with great abundance where you just continually ask God for more more and more and more and more. Troy, why don't you come on up? as, as culture begins to shift, and, and I study culture, and I, I study the way that the, the entertainment is, I study the way that, that youth culture is, and young adult culture, Generation Z, all the way up through baby boomers, I study all of this stuff uh, on a weekly basis. And especially within Christianity, I'm very worried about where we are going, and I'm very worried about what we believe and what we believe. Because we need to be all in on this. We need to be all in. We cannot, we cannot just be half full. We need to be overflowing. Parents, can I talk to you real quick? As, uh, just real quick as, as a youth pastor. If, if you allow it to be acceptable for your kid to only be half full, then what they will teach their kids is that it's only acceptable to be half full. You only have to go to church every once in a while. You only have to pray here and there. If you, if you, exa- if you show them an example of a casual relationship with Jesus, they will find it acceptable, and you have just placed them within a generational cycle that will constantly say it's only acceptable to do these things halfway. But if you raise up your children and you raise up a generation by passionately being an example of a Christian that is all in, then they will be all in. But even for us, we need to be all in. We need to say, God, I, I need you to fill me with your power and your presence. You know, it's, it's been a wild journey in, in, in ministry and it's been crazy the things that we've, that we've seen. And can I honestly tell you, there's only one reason why that we have made it within 10 years now full-time youth ministry. And it's because of the power and the presence of God. Saying, God, I need you to fill me every day. I filled my life with things that that I thought would would satisfy and they didn't. And so I, I lost my identity. I lost the purpose of why I was created. I lost, I lost the, the happiness, the fire. Man, I love the scripture. It says that God will restore to you the joy of your salvation. Remember when you first got saved? You were nuts. Remember, you first got saved, you, you would go everywhere. You were telling every Walmart cashier about Jesus. You were running down the street, everyone you bumped into, you would tell them about Jesus. What happened? but we've become satisfied with being half filled. And then we've thrown in some other things to fill into our lives that 
never should have been there. Church, listen to me. God formed you in order to fill you. You're not a mistake. You might've made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. So oftentimes we think that that's what defines us, is that I can't be filled with God because what I've, what, what I've done. Can I just be totally honest with you? How, how like messed up that mindset is. You don't think the God that created, that called, that called something into nothing can't handle your boo-boo? He can't handle your mistake? We can't put limitations on God like that. This is the omnipowerful God, omnipresent God. This is the omniscient God. This is a God that can handle the mistakes. And, and listen, you might say, listen, I, 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 don't, I have filled my life with things I should have never filled them with. Guess what? God is awesome on, on cleaning things out of your life. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. So this morning, if you could bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. I so appreciate being able to just share my heart with you this morning and being able to share about what God has created us for. And it's just a reminder, man. Today's just a reminder that you were formed to be filled. But let's just be honest, there, there are people in here this morning where you're like, listen, man, I have filled my life with things that I shouldn't have. I've challenged who I am. I've challenged why I was created. I've challenged the fact that maybe God has even loved me. God does love you. He loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you. The most precious thing that he actually had in his possession was the, was the relationship that he had with his son. And he said, this thing is so amazing to me and so precious and so worthy that I'm going to send this relationship I have with my son to die for them, to let them know how much I love them. But maybe this morning you filled your life with things that you shouldn't have. Well, we serve a God that's so good of removing things and beginning a healing process within our lives so that we can realize that the formation of our life is to be filled with the power of who God is. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, listen, like I'm half full. Like my life is half full. I, I, I put a limitation on how much I want God to do and to a point I can understand that sometimes because we live in such a culture that gets offended by so many different things that being a 50-50 Christian is easier than being sold out because once we're sold out, it'll bring offense to people we work with or that we love or that we care about and we don't wanna offend anybody and so we live a 50-50 life and can I tell you that we can't do that anymore. The world needs your undevoted 100% yes. And maybe you're here this morning, you're like, listen, man, I'm, I'm filled up with the power of God, but I just wanna be overflowing with his presence. I just want God to continue to fill me with who he is. If, that's, if any of those three, three, three things, any of those, if, if you're looking for a clean out, if you're needing a refill, or you just want more, if that's you this morning, can I just ask you just to stand where you're at? 
just where you're at right now, just, just stand. You need a refill. You need cleaned out. You just want more of God. You just lift your hands like this, nothing weird. Just extend your hands out. Willingness, outward symbol of surrendering to God. God, our desire is more of you. Our desire is that you fill us. So this morning, God, I pray for those that are here that are dealing with a life where they have filled their life with things that they never should have. God, I pray for them right now, Lord, that you begin this removal process of the clean out. And as you're cleaning out them out, Heavenly Father, God, you're removing the things, the addictions. You're removing the generational curses. You're removing the hurt. You're removing the anxiety. You're removing all of these things that have held them. And God, that have clogged them up from being able to be filled with you. So God, I pray for removal now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for the one that is here and has just been 50-50. It has been half in. God, I pray the desire will be overflowing now in the name of Jesus. We can't become, we can't do 50-50 because the Bible says that God actually spits us out of his mouth if we're 50-50. It actually says he vomits. It makes him sick and disgusted that he went all in and we only went half. So God, I pray this morning that we will go all in. And God, for those that just want more of you, God, I pray right now that our cry is more. Just we desire more. Overflowing, overabundance of your spirit. God, pour out your spirit on all of us, Heavenly Father. Let us desire to know you deeper. Let us desire to know you more. God, allow us to impact our children. Allow us to impact our grandchildren. Allow us to impact this community. Allow us to impact our work. God, I pray that everywhere we go will be saturated with the presence of God. God, I pray for wet marks all over the city. Why? Because we are so saturated in the presence that it leaves marks everywhere that we go. God, anything that our hands touch, there will be the power and presence of God will be left there. Any words that will speak, God, those words will be strong and will stand and will penetrate because they are words that have been filled and fueled by the power of the Spirit. God, we thank you. We love you. God, I pray that you continue to allow us to grow deep within who you are. God, that we will not challenge anymore the identity of why we were created. But God, we will stay connected to the creator, understanding that you desired to create us so much and put us on display because we were formed to be filled with your... We were formed to be filled with you. God, we worship you. We praise you. I pray that this changes us. Challenge us. Renew us by your spirit. And God, we just thank you for these things. One thing that, that I think is so important for us to do is after we always pray, I believe it's important to praise, to worship. We've gotten our heart right and we've asked God to, to remove things or to fill us to overflowing, whatever it might be. But now we have to put certain things into action. And so we're gonna sing one more time and I want us to worship like we, like we didn't worship an hour ago. Like I want us to really worship having this understanding that when we worship God, we're worshiping him and he's desiring to pour out his presence. It says, it actually says that God abides in the praises of his people, meaning he hangs out. He literally chills right here. 
because those, those prices are so important, but it also is so important of your testimony that your testimony is, is God is good, that God is faithful, that God's spirit is living in me. That is your testimony. So let's sing this morning about the faithfulness of who God is.